This is Shaka Art Speak. Welcome to Shaco Art Speak. I'm uh, one of your hosts, Ryan, <laughs> Ryan Letario. Here's the thing. I'm just going to say it. Uh, we struggle to introduce this, and I'm tempted to joke various different ways on how to do it. So it's yeah, in the it's, back of my mind right it's now. It's kind of amazing we've had this much restraint through 10 episodes. 10 episodes, but it's getting worse. Like, I want to be super monotone. Hello. Welcome to Shaco Art Speak. Hi, with, welcome. Yeah, or with like some really good sort of classical music in the background. And today we're going to talk about... The fine stylings and compositional strategies of a painter. Um, so, <laughs> but, but we're not that podcast. We're not there yet. Um, we may be, though. We may, grow into, we may grow up into that. So the good news is the doctor's here. So um, hey, if everybody. I, yeah, How's it going? Yeah, if, I'm, if I need a doctor, we have one in the house. He's just not a medical doctor. Yeah, I still go back to the, this fantastic phrase. That a guy shared that his mother would always introduce him as a doctor, but not the kind that helps people. And uh, I always think about that as a nice, like, self-deprecating statement. Yeah, I think I'm going to use that now. I mean, it's just like you have that that moment of terror of being in a restaurant. And somebody goes, is there a doctor? And you're just like, yes. yes. Would you like to know about a Poetry. graphic design discourse <laughs> yeah. in the early 20th century? Yeah. It's like, no, this man's choking. I love the idea oh, of sorry. you. I love the idea of you, like, bringing some weird Bauhaus poster Kind of like this just is, wrapping him in it. This is my proof. This is it. Good this will help. Good design will save you. Good that's, design. that's what they said. That's right. I'm pretty sure good design saves the world. So let's, <laughs> let's see how this works in particular. Yeah. Um, but anyhow, uh, <laughs> so um, we want to thank you for um, the continued support. Uh, Huge the, thanks. Yeah. The fundraising, uh, we're up to 18400 and. $26.37 and a wooden nickel. Somebody actually gave us a wooden nickel. That's fantastic. I'm yeah. keeping that myself. Yeah. 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 So we're, we've cut it in half. Gareth, Gareth gets one half and it's a BFF bracelet that we're both wearing. <laughs> um, so, uh, but in truth, uh, so we're, we're really close. Our goal is 30,000. And so, um, we, we know that there's a lot of folks listening. And so if you feel moved, or inclined to support this, especially this podcast series, in addition to uh, a lot of the nonprofit stuff that we're doing uh, with with Shaco Art Space, uh, which will include the launch of a journal and multiple classes and exhibitions and um, all kinds of uh, new stuff that we'll we'll have up. You'll you'll hear about very soon. Um, do do consider supporting us. We have a Patreon. I was gonna say, but wait, there's more. Yeah, but wait, there's more. Yeah, we've got a we got a Patreon that's uh, fantastic. So um, I know y'all have been really loving the fact that Ryan and I can talk for multiple hours at a time on a topic. Um, but we also know that sometimes you just want kind of a just a quick hit of Ryan and Gareth. Uh, so one it's of the a things small, a small shot, just, just a nibble, just a, a few nibble. hors d'oeuvres of uh, Shaco Art Speak. So. Uh, what we're doing is we're we're planning through Patreon to launch something that we're calling Thirty Below, which are or below short. thirty. We're not sure yet. It's thirty <laughs> below or below thirty, and it's not an age statement because I'm over thirty. Yeah, me too. So okay, we're, good. we're good to yeah, go. Yeah. But the uh, you know we want to do these kind of shorter, uh, more topical podcasts, and so um, we've got some funding goals on Patreon. That once we get a certain amount of uh, patron support, there we're going to launch that uh, string of podcasts. So um, if you're interested in those shorter episodes, uh, please check us out on Patreon. You can find us easily. Just just search uh, Shaco Art Speak or Shaco Art Space. Uh, either one should take you to what we're what we're trying to do on uh, Patreon. So we would appreciate that. Thank you for the people who are already there doing that. So yes, huge thank you. thanks to you. Yeah. And the, the one of the fun things about that is because Gareth and I are long winded, and um, the thirty below or below thirty, which whichever way we 
I keep getting it back and forth. But the, the premise is that it's a strict 30 minutes on a particular topic. And no matter where we're at in the discussion, when the buzzer goes off, the conversation ends. Yeah, we have multiple so. friends uh, as well as uh, our wives who just don't believe that it's possible that for we us can do to it. do yeah. I mean, at this point, we're probably approaching 30 minutes for the introduction of this podcast. That's right. So, so it's going to be really hard, probably a little bit comical, but it'll help and it'll get into concision. So as we've talked about before, this series is meant to plot out broad terrain and then kind of zero into particular topics and categories, um, especially going into the second season of this, which would start in January. So yeah. um, so we, the, in order for this to grow and, and mature, we do actually need uh, support. Um, to, to fund the space, to fund all the, um, the stuff that goes behind supporting this and making it actually a soundproof studio, which we're not all the way there yet. Um, also, so yeah, we're, I mean, just to put it out there, we're, we're about $11,000 short of our goal. Um, but I mean, if I don't know how many people gave 50 bucks or 25 bucks, what would that be? How do we well, do, I mean, do the math here? Oh, okay. Great. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I can it, look it up right it, now. It would be not as many as you might think, uh, but more than we have right now. There's that's a, my very concise math for you. That's a great way to say it. So I think if everyone listening to our podcast gave us 50 bucks, we'd more than reach our goal. Oh, definitely. If you can do that, if you can do 25 bucks or even 10, I think if everyone did 10, we'd still probably could reach our goal. Oh yeah. Easily. That'd um, be great. Yeah. And so if you would consider doing that, um, we have a GoFundMe. There's also just like through PayPal, we're set up there. Um, and we want to thank you for all those who've been doing that. And um, we'd love to reach this goal uh, within the next month. Um, and so yeah. if you can help us reach this goal in the next month, then we don't have to talk about it anymore for this year. <laughs> and and we can actually move to the next phase of what we're trying to accomplish with the the, the to- totality of uh, Shaco Art Space and Shaco Art Spe- Speak, our podcast. So. Yeah, because I know, I mean, I'm, I'm sure um, a lot of folks have probably like a fatigue to hearing folks talk about I'm like fundraising yeah. and, and things like that. But uh, what's nice about what we're doing is this fundraising is, is f- specifically focused on uh, creating new programs that really are going to do, we believe, a good amount of work for the art and design communities in Richmond uh, in terms of enriching them and growing them, broadening them and helping it be, be really a much more inclusive and uh, open community for everyone. Yeah. So we're calling it in Richmond because it's going to be enriching. And I just made that up. I'm pretty proud. I, I think somebody's already using that. <laughs> Probably. Okay. Forgive me if you're already using that. I won't take it. Um, the last stupid thing is I just have this picture of us like in a telephone. Remember those things like, and the oh, guys man, would be yeah. running back and forth, like really urgently, yeah. you know, like those Jerry phones Lewis are ringing. up there telling some yes. jokes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. I ha- so I just have this visual of me running going, call us right now at 899-5555. <laughs> right. Operators are standing by. Yeah. I almost at sounded like George $250 level, we yeah. have the coffee mug. That's right. Yeah. At the $500 level. We have a t-shirt. We have the 18, 18 CD set, set of Brahms Sonatas. <laughs> We have an amazing artist here for Ashland is suffering through uh, an unraveling and uh, welcome Ashland Browning. I'm sorry, Ashland, now I have the welcome. giggles. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Um, that was quite a long intro. <laughs> there you go. We did that just for you. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, so how are you doing? Um, I'm good. I'm good. I'm glad to be here. Um, yesterday was 4th of July and got a little bit rained out yeah unfortunately that was a bust i was in bed at 9 30 so yeah not a wild night for me i'm hoping for no rain for uh tonight's opening opening Uh, you said rain was always the big deterrent it is the big deterrent it really is i i I think 
most people don't want to go out and brave art galleries. I've had an opening during a hurricane before. Oh my so gosh. I know how that goes. Three yeah. people came. One was my mother, but yeah. thanks, thanks mom. <laughs> thanks mom. Shout out. I mean, I'd say for a hurricane opening, that's a fantastic That's not bad. Turnout. That's not, not too bad. Yeah. The only Husband, thing that, mother, and best friend. The, you, I mean, the only thing that would have made <laughs> that better needed, is right? to have the band there playing Rocky like a hurricane. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What was that band called? I have no idea. You don't know, Gareth? No. That was a setup to see with Gareth. Would have no, died himself with his no, music. It's a uh, music no, It's a uh, it's one of those things like another song, but uh, never the band. That's right. Uh, you're coming from where? Well, I live in Raleigh, okay. but we're we came today from uh, Henrico, right on the North Carolina Virginia border. Gotcha. That's where my mm-hmm. husband's um, parents live, and so my two boys are there this weekend with the grandparents. Awesome. Hanging awesome. Out. Yeah. Yeah. So we're, I mean, I'm excited. We've, how long, how long have we, we've been kind of in dialogue for a little over a year maybe? Um, yeah. I think I saw you on Instagram first and I yeah. reached out to you. Yep. You were doing some really great shows. Um, Casey Criddle yep. and yeah. Robert Jamoro. Yeah. Roberto. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Roberto. Um, loved his work and felt like I could fit into that aesthetic somewhat. Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> I reached out to you and yeah, you were kind of receptive and yeah. said, let's do something in the future. And then yep. a year later, here we are. Yeah. 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 Cause I, you know, that's the thing too, is like, <clears throat> we're always trying to, to maintain and build commit, you know, well in advance with the artist, you know, like, so one of the great things about Instagram is it's opened up a community like that. I actually, think it's pretty awesome like there's a continuity of the kinds of people that sort of gravitate towards each other that mm-hmm. I, I i've felt and seen and it feels like honest in a lot of ways there's there's like the russian bot painters where you're like you're like that's <laughs> yeah. not a real person yeah. there's no yeah. way that's a real yeah. person that's but true of the real people um you know like there's an interesting way over the last couple of years like instagram is actually uh brought really great painters together and um I, I don't think we could do what we're doing without it, actually. I mean, I don't know how it would no, have I would happened. Say definitely not at the level. I mean, yeah. the, the connection and just the ability so quickly to really dive into somebody's work is yep. is right. mind-blowing. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think it's a wonderful resource. I, you know, you can't get to every show, of course, but of course. It's, and it's not the same, but getting to see the work on Instagram and build relationships. I mean, I feel like I have genuine friends yeah, through, I agree. through Instagram, and shows have happened through it and a few sales, so... Um, for the most part, it's, I mean, it's a little bit of a love hate thing. I, I agree. There's days I think probably reflects more on me than Instagram, but most of the time I think it's very inspiring yep. and um, I'm just like, Oh my God, there's so much amazing painting out there. And then on the days things aren't going well in the studio. Oh, you know, it's suppressing. Uh, keep me away from there. Yeah. yeah. Stay away. Um, I don't want to see any more show announcements or. Yeah. Cause the Instagram can turn into paintings. like art basil in a bad way where you feel like there's a fair in your pocket exactly and you pull out yeah. your phone and you look at it and you're like well, I'm, not oh, I'm not in the fair <laughs> I right. suck you know like um I remember like the first time I went to Miami and um it was awesome you know there was one spot that had like all my painting heroes and people that mm-hmm. I really mm-hmm. like the idea that I could see all these artists together in one space was staggering but then I started to like move around into all the other spaces hotel spaces <laughs> and I'm seeing painters I've never heard of and they are so good like everybody was so good that I was right. like, and I was in grad school at the time. So, you know, it was an added jab or blow to my, my ego to go exactly. like, oh gosh, like I'll never be as good as that person regardless of what I do. 
Yeah. And they're already there and they're like 22. Oh, that's the age thing. Yeah. yeah the age home. thing is that extra yeah. knife in the gut. Yeah. But yeah, 90% of the time, I think it, it really um, inspires me and kind of puts a fire under me in the studio and yeah, boosts productivity possibly. Yeah. And um, just again, having that dialogue with <clears throat> with other artists, um, I think it's really valuable. So yeah, yeah for the most yeah. part of me. And I, you know what? I came to it really late. I've only been on there t- two years i think yeah I'm, I'm a late late bloomer as so, well so like i came to the yeah, the gram late I i'm slow like i got cds i mean I, that's my trajectory like when i was still holding on to cassette tapes when cds were in full bloom and i remember going to buy oh, like yeah, a that's me. Yeah, yeah i bought like a late adapter a late adapter <laughs> i brought like a tape and the and the, the, the cd the tape section was so small it's like four feet now and so the lady is like this young lady is like mocking me and i'm like this young dude it's like the 90s you know <laughs> And then she's like, uh, for real? You're going to do oh, that? Oh, I think I'd still be buying, buying tapes yeah. that are available. <laughs> yeah, they're available. That's how slow I am. I think there is actually like a tape revolution that's kind of like going back and it's yeah. happening again. Like well, it's, it's a retro, revival of I'm sorts. Still there. Yeah, 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 it was retro. Yeah, but I've been, I've been rocking it ever. And so the whole thing is like, I bought this Slick Rick tape with Outcast. They had done a song together. Nice. And so I'm driving in my car, my Ford Tempo, <laughs> keeping the beat. And to put it in, I'm ready to rock it in a tape tape cassette player eats up my tape oh, no. and in that moment i went broke i like went to best buy bought a cd player <laughs> bought like all these cds and just one big dose and just crossed over yeah. that's kind of how i did it with instagram same same kind yeah. of thing well yeah. for me it was uh i guess 2016 maybe it's been three years uh i was in a show and in in raleigh where i live <clears throat> excuse me i'm gonna be coughing all over this thing um and the curator for the show encouraged me to do it and she said you know it's a great way to give some press and and just you know give it a go so i did and i was kind of hooked immediately oh that's the other love hate part the addictive part yeah that Ooh, right yeah it can get yeah, yeah, really yeah. addictive and it, so while it's inspiring in the studio it can also be a distraction in the studio 100 percent. like put the phone down yes. so uh, it's, yeah it's a yeah, little yeah. both i i feel like um guilty of that and i don't you never really come away from it feeling good when it's just impulsive mm-hmm. like yeah. you don't go gosh that scratched the itch exactly it, it doesn't it, it rarely leaves you feeling good so um, i kind of need to balance that yeah 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 um so with you i'm, I'm super curious you know you said you were an english major i mean we, we like to so with our right. podcast we like to go into how you got started yeah. two, there's two reasons why one is i think it's really interesting for people to hear more widely <laughs> The commonalities, I mean, sometimes we think we're so different from each other, which in many ways we are, mm-hmm. you know, and, and don't want to ever be insensitive to that. However, it within our differences, there is uh, commonalities that emerge. And I think it's really rich to hear those commonalities um, because I also think it's empowering. You know, it's like when there's uh, trends or, or facts that emerge across the board for all types of people that have never even met each other that are all working in uh, v- various disciplines. Um, I think if you're listening, you're, it, it kind of can help give you license to feel more at ease about the way you've started mm-hmm. uh, uh, becoming an artist. Because I know that uh, both in and outside of education, that's the thing people struggle with is is uh, what actually anchors and justifies me pursuing this. Yeah. Um, so, so we'd love to hear um, wherever sure. you, however you you know be willing to mm-hmm. kind of bring us into it. Uh, well, I went to Meredith College for undergraduate. That's in Raleigh, North Carolina, and. Uh, Started out a uh, studio art major, knew for sure that was going to happen. And along the way, I guess my secondary love is uh, literature, you know, reading and writing. So um, 
yeah, went ahead and did a double major as an English major as well. And those, you know, fed each other pretty well, yeah, I feel yeah, like. Yeah. I mean, both of it is analytical skills. Mm-hmm. And um, I think it helped my critique skills. It helped me uh, develop artist statements, of course. Um, but just uh, analyzing research, uh, analyzing and researching literature helps you kind of pick out meanings, yep. the nuances of that. And then all that applies to the painting mindset as well, I feel like. So they, they really did feed each other. And um, I guess in some ways those skills after college maybe got put to the side a little bit, but now I'm doing some curating and I feel like that's, that's coming back a lot. Yeah. Uh, the writing part comes fairly easily to me. So right, um, right. I'm kind of glad I did that. Yeah. 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 Did you, so were you painting like before that? Like how did you, how, how were you so definite about painting like as a, yeah. as a major? Um, well that was easy. You know, some people are kind of that Renaissance mind, good at everything. Yeah. You know, my, I think my brother was that way. Good at science, history, math, writing, just like, um, too many skills almost. Uh, mm-hmm. for me, it was always, like I said, art and writing. So kind of honed in on that at a young age. Um, growing up, I thought I was going to illustrate children's books. Mm-hmm. That was kind of my mental path all the way up till probably high school. And in high school, I had a really crazy but great um (laughs) art teacher she was really wacky um but really encouraged me a lot uh to pursue art and my high school had an ap art course so um what that basically meant was doing a really focused consistent uh body of work a portfolio that Mm -hmm. was submitted and you just would not believe the work i was doing then looking back it's I, i can see thematically there was this kind of macabre vibe to it but it was dutch flemish oil pastel still lifes <laughs> so we're talking dead pheasants <laughs> dead fish just really so you were actually getting a hold of these things uh, well or no you... oh gosh i never even thought about that yeah <laughs> that would have been amazing um no i would kind of look at old paintings and right. re kind of reinterpret and sure. translate them um but it's funny they kind of hold up there i still my mom really? has a lot of them yeah. actually kind of neat so i did those in oil pastel and watercolor yeah and uh yeah, the nerd in me has to tell you that I got a perfect score on my AP yeah. <laughs> score. So, Dutch Flemish uh, <laughs> reinterpretations, yeah, remix. That went over well. So let's see, summer of junior year in high school, when I was 17, I went to governor's school. Gotcha. And that was a huge turning point um, at Salem College. So that's almost like kind of a mini college session. You go away for six weeks and people are there for their talent, their passion. Yeah. So, you know, be it math, be it dance. Um, of course I was there for art and that was just amazing. You know, yeah. living in the dorms, that freedom, um, in high school. Yeah. Wow. 17. That's, that's and crazy. I can studying, even imagine that. I mean like John Cage symphonies and stuff, wow. philosophy, art. It was, it was amazing. Uh, so that really set me on that path, um, toward painting. And then what tipped it over for sure was when I got to, um, uh, when I got to college, I had some great painting teachers that kind of took me under their wing. And then that's where I was seeing Twombly and de Kooning mm-hmm. and Gustin. I'm like, okay, that's it. I'm a painter. So yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. freshman year, I, that's, that was the track. Wow. Yeah. Hey, you got to it in some ways earlier than I think a lot of people that I meet. Oh yeah. And, and yeah. definitely in a, in a more kind of feeling concrete way. Yeah. Yeah. More yeah. explicit, more direct way. Oh. So, did, so your parents were pretty supportive. Your family was pretty supportive yeah. of this or? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, now, did they have a, a background in art? To, to have license because I always feel like part of the issue with people that are not artists wanting to support art is they have the same struggle is that you know if you're wrestling with it as the artist like what grounds this what makes this a meaningful or valid 
way of, of going about life, if you will. Right. Um, if that's a struggle for the artist, then it's doubly the case for the person possibly who's, who's like not an artist, but is in, in proximity to you and maybe being put on the spot to you know, support yeah. you or not support you. Mm-hmm. No, they were both completely supportive. Uh, my dad is a civil engineer, okay. so completely different mindset, but always just fully supportive. Um, I think, well, definitely my art and writing skills come from my mom, from mm-hmm. her side. Um, she also went to Meredith College, actually, so there's a little family legacy there and quite a few other family members. Um, and she studied art and English there and wow. sociology. And so, yeah, this talent's definitely come through her and she was very supportive. Interestingly, when I was talking about the children's book illustrating, um, so growing up, she bought us just super high quality, beautiful books. Um, so that was probably my first exposure, you know, definitely yeah. to that art form. But um, and then later when I was in high school, she was a buyer for a children's bookstore. Oh, wow. So she's just got this amazing nice. collection stored That's away. Awesome. Yeah. So um, my boys, every time she visits, we get you know a new little collection of books. Um. And so, yeah, when it switched from that to painting, I'm sure they maybe had the thought, well, hmm, I don't know how viable that is, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, definitely supportive. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's, you know, something I've been thinking about a little bit because we've, we've been talking about, um, well, we've been thinking about, like, there's a a way, like, say, in the city of Richmond, um, there's a lot of patronage, a lot of support, but then there's these gaps where there's there's like a, there's not support. And so, you know, there's like different things that the city has done and the art, art galleries have done and to try to think about like, well, what is a patron? How do we, and oftentimes we think about patrons, I think keenly as people that give money to support the arts. But I do think patronage is curators, galleries, mm-hmm. um, you know, the community going to exhibitions, talking about it. And when I think about your mom uh, bringing you these high quality books, there's a kind of patronage in that. There's also a, a curatorial aspect to that, mm-hmm. all implicit in one person in like your home dynamic, who's who's stewarding or or uh, caring for and bringing this this aesthetic experience to bear, right? Uh, and to enrich your life. And then in that, we're always talking about garden. We talked about it last one, but like it's just a great picture. It's it's beautiful because to me, it's like uh, you're being fed really good meals. And so it's making you healthy, so to speak, in a yeah. way that feeding my eye. Yeah, feeding your eye. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and in that correspondence between text and image, I think is really rich. Yeah. Uh, uh, soil that's not like pitted against each other. And so, um, yeah, I, I just in my mind, I'm like, I think that's like something to kind of put a finger on is is the way we think about what a patron is starts far beyond the gallery. Um, definitely and, and uh, definitely yeah. with teachers I mean you right. guys I'm sure have that experience with people that you mentor um, I think I was really lucky I came across the right people in the right time mm-hmm. um, so when I was at Meredith again I had some really great painting teachers um, and that kind of led the way to graduate school and helped me decide the school I was going to pick which was uh, University of North Carolina at Greensboro mm-hmm. so my main teacher um, had gotten her MFA there and it was in the state, which I wanted to stay uh, at the time. I wanted to stay in the state. And so that, um, yeah, she kind of helped me along that pathway. And so I went straight from undergrad, which not everyone does. I mean, mm-hmm. definitely taking some gap years and developing a consistent body of work. It's often the path. Um, but 
I yeah, I went straight through. So was, yeah. it was all over at yeah, twenty four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, yeah, you seem like a lightning rod. Like you went <laughs> very yeah. intensely right through. Yeah, right, right on through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. How do you, in hindsight, how do you, you feel like that was the way to do it for you? I think so. Yeah, I think so. Um, jumping way down the line. So, uh, <laughs> I guess you're right. I didn't think about that. But so right, right after grad school, I got married. So again, just keeping right on that path. But yeah. then. Then it was slow down and establish my career. So mm-hmm. um, we didn't have kids till 10 years later. We right. kind of waited a while. And so I went about it that way, not so much consciously, more just scared to have kids. But sure. in that 10 years, I was lucky to build up a lot of shows and yeah. studio time and residencies, which, you know, let's do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Young and free ish. So. I'm doing it the opposite. I'm waiting until yeah. I'm like so old I can barely move. Well, yeah. I um, mean, that's the only choice I've got. Yeah. So. Well, I, I see the benefit there. I mean, yeah. a lot of the women, when I did the residencies, uh, were a little bit older or had children. And I'm sure what, what an amazing freedom to get away from meals and right. routines and schedules. And um, so, yeah, I, I see that maybe on the horizon soon. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah when yeah. they're a little bit older. Yeah. 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 You, you, have, you had a thought? So I was going to ask you about grad school a little bit. Like, how, what was the difference for you yeah. between grad school, even though there was a um, a clean move, you know, between between right. the two zones in terms of studio practice? But because you were you were English major and uh-huh. in, in your undergraduate. So then when you came to your MFA, how did that how did that change hmm, for you? That's a good question. Uh, uh, well, the environment gets a little well, competitive is not the word. I think I was in a class of 14. That, that varies every year. Sure. Sometimes it's four. I think mine was on the larger end. And we made a lot of good friends. I mean, it was a really great group. As far as uh, maybe a little more pressure, a little more, you know, the critiques are more intense. I think mm-hmm. graduate school, one of the main benefits is you build up kind of a thicker skin. Mm-hmm. You learn about rejection and standing up for your work. All those right. things are going to help you later in your career when... You don't have the kind of cushy environment where everyone cares and is going to, you know, give you so much attention. So it's good to get those skills. Um, But yeah, all in all, it was a positive experience for sure. And I think I would do it the same way. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. For me, it was this brief uh, moment of printmaking. I ended up. Oh, interesting. uh, Yeah. uh, Actually, my thesis show was was prints um, and I have not made one since. No kidding. No. I I mean, I haven't had access to the equipment, but sure. I mean. When I say prints, I mean I did some etching, but I was mostly doing monotypes, which you know, right. those are paintings, yeah, pretty yeah, much. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yep. yeah, my thesis show was uh, this black and white kind of abstracted, nudey landscapes, uh, monotypes. And is that the work that got you, uh, uh, Joe Mitchell? It is. Um, Interesting. Yeah, a little bit of serendipity there. So, second year of grad school, nine eleven occurred. Okay. And the work I was doing was these kind of um, charred. Uh, landscapes, mm-hmm. uh, very serious, very kind of somber. Um, and I think that maybe, who knows, play, yeah. possibly yeah, yeah, yeah. played into the aesthetic of the time. But um, yeah, my second year of graduate school, I was, <coughs> excuse me, uh, honored to get a Joan Mitchell uh, Foundation MFA grant, mm-hmm. which it was one of the early years of that. They, I think maybe it it was three years in that they had that program and it's since gone. It's maybe five years ago. They stopped the MFA part. Uh, but the goal was to give you a nice little chunk of money to get you started in the real world. Yeah. You know, the transition from that's right. Uh, school life to student life rather to 
uh, studio life. Yeah. So yeah, and yeah. that and that's exactly what I used it for. Yeah. Uh, setting up a studio, buying supplies, and you know I don't know really how I would have done it otherwise. So it was huge. And <laughs> looking back, it's it may be the pinnacle of my career at 25 that uh, the show um, the well the grant uh, put together a exhibition for the the winners at the Q foundation yep. in New York. Uh, yep. It's moved since I think it's still in Chelsea, but at the time it was a couple of, a couple of doors down uh, from Gagosian gallery, which, whoa, you know, yeah. <laughs> it, was, yeah, it was like a decuning show at the time. Like, is yeah. this real? This is crazy. Yep. So yeah, that was 25. We're still working back toward that uh, level. <laughs> yeah, I think I saw Gagosian. I mean, I'm either making this up or it really happened. I can't remember. I actually don't know. I can't remember, but I know that the art fair I went to in, in Art Basel, uh, you know, it's everyone. So Gagosian. Yeah. I'm pretty sure he was there, but he had like, I, I just. Oh, you'd know him. You'd recognize him. Yeah. I mean, he's like his lion's mane. It's like <laughs> exactly. gray hair, you know, and he was just, it was just like his gallery and him sitting in a chair, like a director's chair. <laughs> um, and I think the reason why I can't remember for, I just couldn't remember if he had long hair or not, but I, I and I couldn't remember if me and a friend of mine were making fun of the idea that he's like this lion with the art pride, you know, like it's got this, the pride behind him. But yeah. yeah. And so we just, I think that became a running joke. I probably shouldn't make fun of Gagosian because he's, he's You're burning bridges, right? Now. I know. Burn, <laughs> burn it all down. It <laughs> I don't think I'm, I'm tall enough to cross the bridges. So <laughs> maybe we're safe. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, like, I mean, I remember being in a show in Chelsea and, and, um, it's it's the stuff you read about and you hear about, right. but if you've never been there, it's a little surreal. Oh, it's it's uh, really hard to get your mind around mm -hmm. because it's the it's the reality kind of kind of squashing the the fantasy a little bit. True, you know, and so the way you evaluate the meaning changes. Right, and for me, it was I think I I don't know. Do you just pick this up from the environment or from school or something? But I think I was programmed to think, well, I have to live in New York, so mm. here we go. And I was yep. like. I don't want to live in New York. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I these, love New York. But, yeah, I'm one of these yeah. people who love to visit. I, I don't think it's for me to live there. So, uh, and maybe at the time you did have to, and this was 20, almost 20 years ago. Yep. But now, thank goodness, I think things are shifting quite mm -hmm. a bit. And I'm not going to say you can live anywhere. I mean, right. maybe middle of Kansas might not be awesome for you, but yeah. uh, a little more difficult. But um, yeah, you can kind of make it anywhere i'm yeah, not saying but, i've made mm -hmm. it but there's people that have that yeah, yeah yeah don't live in new york or LA. right right well you know i mean i think that's the thing you, i think you are doing it though you know you've been making work for a long time yeah i mean successfully and what i love is you seem to be really engaged in the there's like a i mean i've, I've noticed that you'll come back to paintings you'll lay work aside oh yes <laughs> uh, even for a decent amount of time and I, I feel like you have to be away from grad school to um i would say that grad school gives you this these uh even college does i mean i tell my students this like you're i'm teaching you to, i'm teaching my students to work quickly and with as much quality and depth as they can so it's like a ratio there of, mm -hmm. of um but it's really not necessarily typical of what time is going to look like for you out of school and so it sets up these pressures and these expectations that may not be there when you when you graduate and so um the the school experience kind of accordions out and the longer, the longer the time you have, the more you can understand what it might even look like to come back to it. Like I'm looking at a couple of paintings right now that are about 10 years old and I've been tempted to go back and rework them. And I've never had that feeling before, but I've also not had that body of work. Like, I mean, I've only made that body of work once and you only, 
this is the first time I've been 10 years from it, if, if you will. Yeah, exactly. You see it? So, yeah. Well, that's my most recent series. Uh, I called it revisionist geometry, kind of like a joke on revisionist history. So it was exactly that. It was 10 years old. Um, no kidding. Uh, the gallery I was showing with in Raleigh, Flanders Gallery, closed. And I'd been with them 10 years. So I had quite a bit of work in the inventory. So... Uh, you know, over several different yeah. exhibitions. So when I go to pick up all the work, <laughs> it's like, oh, some of these are good. Some of these, they hold up. And some I didn't think. And and that could just be, you know, your eyes shifting, your yep. life experience. Or maybe they were bad paintings. I don't know. But I went in and reworked, like, completely wow. those paintings. So those, there's a couple of those in, you know, the Shaco show yep. right now. A couple. Yeah. Um, but the last few exhibitions I've had this year have been that revisionist geometry work. So that was really fun, you know. To, yeah commenting on time and you know your own personal history and just the process of making the painting scraping it down and reinventing it and something yeah. stay and some go and yeah and then that was exciting was there an was there an anxiety to doing that like were you like was there like a process before you committed to doing it uh, no I just no you just did it. no yeah. I, mean, I have this thing i i just i don't want any phony paintings and if, yeah. if a painting doesn't ring true if i don't love it if it doesn't have this sense of presence like it's a actual entity in the room with me it's got to go yeah. so it was not a hard decision you know i put aside the ones that i felt were successful and right know, maybe have yeah and the rest i just took the razor took, to them yeah, <laughs> yeah 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 um so for so one of the things i was interested in because i feel like i can see possibly in your work sort of where it lives in the larger discourse of like of, of painting if you will mm -hmm. um but i'm interested in knowing who some of your um kind of like your heroes like yeah. Garrett, one of Gareth's heroes, if you know Gareth, one of Gareth's heroes is Hulk Hogan. Oh, okay. Um, well. He just had this um, video. Of Jinx, Hulk Hogan. mine too. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, um, Hulk Hogan playing the guitar is for for Fourth of July, and, and Gareth actually nice. has grown the mustache out and is doing the same. I noticed the mustache. Yeah, today. yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah so, it's, I, you know, I, I hate that. Uh, is you, it ironic you, or not? Well, see, I hate that you blended any legitimacy to uh, the Hulk Hogan story by referencing the mustache. Like, I like it's one of those things where, like, until that, anybody can just pass that off and be like, "That's got to be garbage." Um, yeah, well, that's uh, cute. you're working it. I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, it's. Uh, I'm excited I, about. It. I love it. I'm calling I it my great. summer stash. So. So it's yeah. not fully ironic, but it's also not uh, permanent. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah, that's We're the name of our next show. <laughs> not it's ironic, not fully ironic, but it, it's not permanent. I like that. <laughs> yeah. It's actually a good title. <laughs> it's, it's not terrible. We can work with that. Yeah. It's better than last last episode's idea for a show, so I think we're working in the right direction. Right, right. Not so, not post apocalyptic MacGyver. Yeah, we had another idea for a show called Post Apocalyptic MacGyver. Okay, so we're so, gonna go full eighties here. Yeah, we're going okay. full eighties. I think we're. I think that's the that's the the trend. So I know that you, Hogan was not one of your heroes. No, no. Um, um, painting wise, okay. So like I said, in I guess high school slash undergrad, Twombly, Gustin, yep. De Kooning, those those are my guys. Those you know fed my eye. Uh, early 50s ab abstract expressionism I mean you know I, it's funny I still consider myself an expressionist even though the work probably you know geometric uh, when I say that word it always to me is like cold and calculated but when you see my work up close it's very layered and yeah. muddy and messy and none of the lines are clean or straight it's chunky it's like a chunky yeah it's like I mean it's organic geometry exactly. it's, it's yeah. with reference to mm -hmm. it but it's not right west coast hard edge no, it's not necessarily no. where like where i'm hanging out sometimes no but i yeah. mean i totally respect that i just i can't yeah. get there yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah um so current kind of 
icons or heroes to me, uh, Thomas Niskowski, who okay. of course passed just a few months ago, um, and Amy Silman. And I love mm-hmm. to consider myself somewhere between the two. Interesting. I, you yeah. know, I consider her more emotional and him a little more cerebral and mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I'd love to hit somewhere in between. And certain paintings land a little further to one or the other. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah. those are kind of my two places that ring true to me. A, a little bit funny, a little bit angsty, yeah, moody, but not taking yourself too seriously. Uh, I guess yeah. that's like a reflection of me. So that makes sense. That's how I want my paintings you know, to come yeah. across. Yeah. So yeah, those are the big guys for me. Yeah, I, that's interesting. So when you're you were describing it. It's like, um, and I was reading your statement, you know, you're talking about them as personifications. They're almost figurative. Right. And, and sometimes they're, they're like, they're hunched over or they're, they're turned away. Or yeah. They're, and they, you're giving them this, um, posture that feels very human. Exactly. One, one thing that, so, you know, when you're doing like, so like, like I teach drawing. So a lot of times, like when people draw, they, they end up drawing their own eyes in other oh. people's characters like so like when you you know like for instance when i was i used to do comic book stuff in, in illustration and i had the hardest time not drawing my own eyes into everybody's faces that. That's yeah and you'll see that a lot and it's not intentional it's just intuitive and it makes sense it's possibly because you see your own eyes right quite a bit or it's i don't know it's just yeah yeah some <laughs> something in there but you see it a lot like so people will draw sometimes the same eyes or the same the mouth perhaps um and i think i think uh that only starts to change when someone really starts to look at uh, folks outside of themselves, like when they really start to pay attention. So the, so the whole like imperative to look outside yourself is anchored by observation and this kind of thing. Um, and not, not in the same way, but it's interesting. Like when you, when you described your work and you said that, um, uh, you know, perhaps some of this is somewhere indicative of your personality. Oh, yeah, um, I think so. I, I mean, I guess it's only been in the last few years that I've come to think of them as self-portraits. Okay. And I guess they are. I mean, yeah. psychological self-portraits somewhat. Um, on the way over here, I was thinking about this. Um, okay, so I'm an introvert, mm-hmm. totally. And, you know, when you go to a restaurant and... Well, you guys are extroverts. It might not apply to you. Yeah. <laughs> but you go to a restaurant and... I'm a, you, you told me what I was. You told yeah, me I was an right. Indo... You're not an, an Indo. A, an <laughs> omnivert or something? Am- omnivert. Omnivert. Amnivert. Which, uh, right. which prefix do we have? Slow yeah. down. Ambivert. Ambivert. You're kind of in the middle. That, okay. that's, what, that's what I read. Okay. All right. We'll get into that. So, <laughs> uh, so a full introvert here. So when you go to a restaurant and the hostess or whatever seating you and you get that corner booth yeah i love that like corner that, booth. that's heaven a c okay. i love the corner booth i okay. find the corner in every place that yeah. i go to so mm-hmm. to me that represents being an observer not mm-hmm. an observee so yes. i want to look out so i think the forms of my paintings if you notice they're always kind of anchored in a corner mm-hmm. and i think they're <clears throat> being observed but hesitantly uh, maybe a little unwillingly and yeah they they feel safer kind of yeah. attached to one side of the painting right out no i i love that uh we had lana waldrop apple on uh some time ago and she talked about making art for introverts mm-hmm. oh. um, yeah. and so she painted like corners oh well so there's there, so yeah. i mean you know there is <laughs> so we're pick, i'm picking up on like a thing right. i never thought about i like even in houses like um no matter where i live i end up sitting basically in the same spot in the house which is i can sit in the corner and see all the other corners of the room, but also see the door so I can see who's coming into my house. Okay, maybe yeah. I had you wrong. Maybe you are a pure yeah. introvert. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I tend to fall in the middle in a lot of okay. things. So, middle. Um, stick with Amber right then. Yeah. And yeah. then another thing, 
you said the word posture and that stuck out of my mind. Um, so a lot of my forms, like we talked about, are some are bold and upright and kind of oh, these blaring colors and some are kind of what I call more hesitant or contemplative mm-hmm. and kind of hunched over. So who knows you know, subconsciously if this weighs in or not. But when I was growing up, I had scoliosis. Okay. So that's really fun when you're 13, yeah. 14 years old. Yeah. Um, ended up having surgery at 15 and wow. correcting it and yep. such. But, you know, years of x-rays and seeing that and people talking about you, whether you're yeah. tilting or not tilting. Yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah, sure, yeah. I'm sure that's somewhere in my yeah, psyche. Yeah, totally. Some kind of hyper-awareness of your own, right. th- your own structure. So. And then people sort of... Uh, um, talking about the corrective nature like exactly. what does it mean to have your back corrected yeah. and what Hunching, tipping over it's not good no <laughs> that yeah, is the yeah 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 my so. friend carrie had uh she's a really great painter in california and she had carrie breeze and she had uh, scoliosis and had surgery she had to wear a back brace yep. so she started making these abstract paintings of the brace itself oh my gosh is this like metaphor for the folding the it's, folding you know yeah it's still in my parents attic we yeah. always joke about having a bonfire but we haven't done it yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, but no, I mean, I, I mean, I think what's really compelling about that though, is then, then, um, you know, a lot of times people will say that labs, abstract art is, um, mm-hmm. is, uh, uh, divorced from this world, but mm-hmm. everything that you're saying, um, is divorced from this world is not related to observing the yeah. world. And if anything, the work you're making is more naturalistic to this world or to your experiences. And I think that right. um, it's probably not even by definition abstract, really. That's exactly right. <laughs> yeah. Right. And I, so, I mean, I, I love that. I mean, that's, that's one thing I was excited. I mean, so what I love about your work is it's for, it's made to look at in such a rich way. There's, there's a lot of um, aspects or nuances or effects that unfold in uh, this kind of organic way as you look longer, like things mm-hmm. push in front of each other, like we've talked about and, yeah. When I first saw the work and I could tell online, but then you see it in person and, it, and then there's the texture, there's the scraping, uh, there's volume, there's flatness, there's flatness that paradoxically opens up into depth. Right. And so there's a lot of nuance that um, starts to activate in the work or is, is, is there, it's just a question of whether or not one is willing to look at it. Mm-hmm. And, and the more you look, the more it's like, this is entirely poetically, metaphorically uh, relevant and resonant and re and, um, uh, uh, important to how we understand ourselves, you know? So even thinking about the paintings, observing you a little bit, you know, right. as, well, as a, as a thought is, is a really you. interesting thought. Thanks for getting it. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, I mean, I, I'm really excited about this show. I mean, I think it's for lookers like people say, uh, uh, Richmond's for lovers or Virginia. Is. I mean, these paintings <laughs> are for lookers, you know, okay. like, and, uh, I think Painter's we're painter. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That, but that, I, I wonder, um, you have any anxiety about that? I mean, in terms of like, I, I wrestle with that personally. Like, I feel like there's the audience is changing mm-hmm. and I don't find as many, um, and then maybe it's just me being old man. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, get, maybe I'm crossing over. Like I'm starting to like, like I'm, I'm liking, like, I just want to eat almonds and, and that, like nuts. And I'm like, am I getting, is this like a sign that I'm getting old? Cause where I just want mixed nuts. Going? Yeah. I don't know. Like I just like, I feel like there's like signs of when you're getting old, like you start eating cherry cough drops or I don't know. Like, so what I'm saying is like, I don't know if this is me just having, uh, uh an age thing about uh-huh. painting or, um, or if there also is somewhere in there, like a relevant concern about the way we observe the world and therefore how we're less inclined to actually really look at it, like look at a painting and find the, the, okay, the value yeah. of the painting. Uh, well, I think attention spans are basically shot. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's kind of a shame. Social media, which we love, but it's yeah. 
<clears throat> that it's doing that to us somewhat the internet um I don't know I, I it's hard to be in someone's head viewing my work I don't know I feel like I have you know there's those like popular artists where yeah. it's just like across the board everyone loves them yeah you know and, they, and maybe they make really great work um I've never been that and I don't know you can rationalize it like oh it's you know not easily accessible or it's sure for a painter painter but yeah you know there's days where you're like oh maybe they just are crappy paintings i don't yeah, know yeah yeah but, no, i wrestle with that right yeah but i've always had just kind of like a dedicated small-ish group of um admirers collectors whatever um so i don't know i'm still figuring that out i don't know right. where my work lands exactly i just know right. for me it has to have this sense of authenticity or, yeah. or else it doesn't leave the studio and i'll yeah. scrape them down until they feel true and sometimes i know that they're maybe um ugly kind yeah. of. i mean yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's not something that hangs in a house necessarily but uh it's still an honest painting yeah you know what's that hemingway quote like you know write one true sentence right like i just try to make one true painting yeah. i guess yeah or, or start the painting with true marks and end it that way and along the way there's some bumps and stumbles and everything but if mm -hmm. it ends true then i'm happy with it yeah the yeah. um I think uh, with that, like a lot of stuff you're saying is kind of coming together. You talk about uh, like identifying kind of as expressionist. Um, you want to make true paintings that, uh, you know, that um, these are kind of biographical in some ways. Mm -hmm. Like and all this like really makes sense looking at it. Um, but also your your connection to literature, I think, is hugely like it, it's a it's a contextualizing factor that I think can make anybody who might say, oh, this is hard to it's hard to be accessible. Then oh. I think that is a contextualizing factor that's super fantastic. Right. Hmm. Um, cause nobody, and we've talked about this before. Nobody's going to sit down with a short story and just go, all these words, I'm just going to dismiss this. It's not accessible. Right. They would dive into it and then they would, they would say, how do I understand this as I start to experience it as what it is? Um, and I think your work is fantastic. Now what Ryan was saying earlier, the, uh, the ability to just change your space, in relationship to the work itself and how you then start to see those forms in different ways. So the fact that your work is not like you described, it's not the crisp geometric, mm -hmm. I think actually benefits it in a huge way for looking because it makes it, it gives it so many more entry points oh um, God, I hope so. in that respect. So actually starting to like observe and read the work itself within space. I think it's, it's one of those where anybody coming to the show should just step in knowing that, you need to just sit with one of these pieces for a few minutes before you really start to even think about it. Like just really yeah. look at the work, which I think is kind of what you're hanging out with social media. We don't, I don't think we give looking time. We don't give observation time. Right. Scroll, scroll, scroll. Well, <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask, I was going to ask the question in, in like, not as like a trap question. So like <laughs> just out of curiosity, like when's the last time you've, you've looked at, like when's the last time you've mm. looked at something and, and actually really had, uh, a moment, you know, I mean, cause you, you can, yeah. especially as a maker, it, sometimes your eyes, um, can, can not dull out, but you know, like our, our tolerance levels different, you know, like right. we, we, um, sometimes we're, yeah, like there's a lot, there's a lot that I can see that's not going to register for me before something does. Yeah, and a lot and of so. times I think we can be like the worst perpetrators yes. of saying, <laughs> being dismissive and going, Oh, I know what that is. Totally. Yeah, you know, okay, cause like sure. I'm in this space. So I, I know what that is. Yeah. But yeah, I think it's a great, it's a it great question. Quickly. Yeah. Well, it's funny cause I, I don't know if this is even answering that, but it came to mind with what Gareth was saying. You know, if you, 
get upset of someone not getting the work. I think also on the flip end of that, I also play to that and enjoy that in a way because if the work is personal or biographical or whatever, I kind of like it being somewhat cryptic. You know, mm-hmm. I always said mm-hmm. if I couldn't be an artist or, or rather if I had more of the talent to be a writer, I would have loved to be a writer as well or instead. Mm-hmm. Um, but that is so brave and scary. Like that's literal. That is out there. Those are words, you know, mm-hmm. maybe a person can interpret it differently, but to me, that's just so much honesty and bravery. That's too much. So in a way with a painting, especially a contemporary or abstract painting, you know, there's that kind of, you can hide a little bit behind it. Yeah. Like yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I, I try to tell what my paintings are about, but there's also a level of uh, veiling that you can use to sure. your advantage somewhat. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Yeah. I kind of, I guess, play both sides of the field with it. Right. Right. Well, yeah. Certainly the, um, get it, but don't get it too much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think the layers are, are barriers and invitations and, exactly. and they narrow who might press to what layer it, you know, they foreclose right. on certain individuals and others are, more keenly like any, I mean, this, this goes, this goes against the idea that art's just transcendent. Everybody should get it, which is no. typically a, a terrible idea. Um, <laughs> terrible expectation. I mean, it's just, um, and so, yeah, I mean, you see a lot of like bad, uh, songs about America, uh, yesterday. Yeah. Do you know yeah. what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, I mean, like totally. this, like this aspiration to make this transcendent all encompassing thing. And it's just, it's, it's just near impossible to pull off. Like it's so hard to, to really do that because we're just too different and too complex as, as people. That, know? that comes to mind. Okay. So one of my graduate school teachers at the time, again, I was making those kind of moody uh, landscapes and I mean, here I am 23 or four. I'm sure she was just rolling her eyes, but I said I wanted them to play to some kind of universal feeling. Mm-hmm. And she's like, you know, Ashlyn, there's no universal feeling. Everyone's experience is so different. And at that age, and I was shy and didn't speak up and, I don't know. In my mind, the pendulum swings. I'm like, okay, she's totally right. You know, someone's experience is not going to be mine. But also, I'm like, wait a minute. You know, love and Mm -hmm. death and losing people and Mm -hmm. those things are timeless and universal. So she was right, but she was wrong. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I think, (laughs) yeah, I definitely wanted to make transcendent art, art universe. I mean, so there are universals. You know, there are universal. Like the sky is universal. Everybody breathes air. The universals, uh, in particular, is hold together. It's the it's the um, circumstances or the way you experience, but that's right. to fall in love or to lose someone or have that's someone right. die. Exactly. Yeah. So there, yeah. there's a that's tension right. between particular and universal, and I think that requires like a lot of reflection on what those are, such that that even uh, starts to bleed into what you make. Um, and so you know, like I went to a, well, I was trying to think, like I went to the Philadelphia Museum of, of Art. <laughs> Um, and hadn't been there and, uh, I had a Twombly experience that space. There's a show in there of his work and these huge paintings. And it was like this mythology thing going on. And those number one, the work looked like it was made like that day. Right. So So, fresh. So stunning and fresh. And it was curated. Well, the space was like Uh made for it. So, um, and you literally walked in and the gravity left the room and so you're kind of right. elevated into the clouds hmm. in this abstract way and the text is is emerging out of there's text emerging out of these color fields out of these voluminous forms and it's holding you i mean um it was one of the more singular art going experiences i'd had maybe in over 
15 years, 10 years. I mean, where I really was like, one, I was taken by surprise. Was blown away. Yeah, I was just turning a corner. And the, the, the architecture, I was in a hallway. So I was just turning a corner thinking I was going into another smaller room. And so I turned the corner and the, number one, the room opened up. And it was huge, you know, uh, by comparison. And then, and then here's these pa- this impeccably curated paintings wow. of uh, Twombly's work. And um, I told Laura, my wife, I was like, "You got to come in here. Like, you got to see this." And she's just like, "Oh, she's blown away." Yeah. And um, and the thing is, like, the phenomena acts of of the work acts on you. And so I think that that phenomena is not contingent upon who's in the room. It's the hmm. it's the way in which all the the parts of each piece and the, the way the pieces together play and act on you. Now, how you respond to that uh, has a ton of variance to it, you know. And I think like so for me, I needed that experience because I started to kind of like lose a little bit of my. I think I was losing a little bit of my like reason for for painting. You know, uh-huh. just a little bit. Like, did, that boost. Yeah, and the, I actually needed that and didn't know it. I didn't know I needed it. And then I got it and I was like, oh my gosh, like that's why I love painting. Like I just walked away and go, this is what inspired me to be a painter. Like this is what I wanted to do. Right. You know, I wanted to be a part of this space making, this this conversation, this resonating experience, you know, thing, you know. And there was real value in it, you know. As, as much value as, there, I'm a, you know, a reader and as much value as I find in reading a great book. Yeah. Um, and so um, I just wonder how much time we're ever. So what I want to say is the mechanism of the museum conditioned me, you know, it prepared me. And so as I'd moved through all the spaces, I had adjusted. Mm-hmm. I had enough time to adjust. And so I was adjusted enough to get into a space like that to really be optimally prepared to receive what Twombly's uh, work was saying right. or doing, if you will. You know, and, and I think that that's the question I have is like, are we, how do we create that? You know, are we losing that? Um, especially when you're making paintings yeah. to look at, you know. It is elusive. Um, I don't know. Well, lately I've been working on curating a show uh, from the North Carolina Museum of Art. So I've been getting to visit studios. Gotcha. And that kind of gets that fresh feeling back. Yeah. Just getting into the nitty gritty of seeing the studio and the process. And that's absolutely been my favorite part of the, the process. Um just uh that you know that visceral feeling of seeing the work made and having those those talks so that's given me kind of a jolt yeah 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 how did you get into how did you get into curating the show how, or how, uh, well, how did that come about there is a little known link on the north carolina museum of arts website if you dig that they take proposals wow so um i tell people that they're like really i didn't know um i didn't either it was just kind of a whim one day um so this was uh 2016 March, I think, right after the presidential election. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of a bummer time, mm-hmm. right? Um, but on the, I guess, good end of things. So the Whitney Biennial was going on. Yep. And I noticed, wow, there's you know a lot of painting going on. So it was um, just that moment of, you know, throughout our history, painting is dead. We've, yeah, how yeah, many yeah. times have we heard that? Give me a break. Yeah. It's not dead. It never <laughs> died. Hush. Uh, so I just had this kind of brainstorm, I guess, to... Uh, bring together North Carolina contemporary painters to possibly have a show there. So I pitched that idea and kind of wrote a formal proposal. I had some artists in mind and some came later through the process of studio visits. Um, but yeah, they were, they were receptive to it. They, again, I think kind of serendipity, they were um, considering a similar show. You know, mm, wanted wanted wow. to show North Carolina artists um, specifically abstract. This show is going to be, um, 
mostly, but right. some some hits of uh, representation and figurative painters as well. Uh, so yeah, um, it'll be next uh, this coming March, twenty twenty, and so when it's all said and done, three years in the works. Wow, it's been wow, a yeah. big, big endeavor. Is there is there a written component that goes with this? Uh, well, I'm writing all the wall text. Yeah, so oh, good here, times. Here comes that English page. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's been yeah, really yeah. fun actually. Um, is this your first stab at uh, curating? Uh, I've worked in galleries okay. uh, for years and years, but um, definitely the most high profile gig, I guess. Yeah, for sure. Right, right, right. right. So one other question that Gareth and I like to kick around is the pro practices question. Yeah, so I think we get into the conversation where we start talking about things like, oh, you're a painter and you're a curator. Oh, you're a painter and, you know, you have a family, all these things. We we do get a lot of questions uh, from folks. And, you know, the last episode we really talked about um, in terms of our students even asking, like, what's this look like to really what, do in Everybody, life? not just students. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's even people that have been doing it. Like, right. like how, you, how do you do this? So it's like students and then we're seeing all the way through yeah through to people that have been doing it for a long time and are still yeah. kind of mystified like how do you do it and we're like that's a, a question that's coming through every kind of generational oh definitely right. yeah so we, like, we should it doesn't matter if you're 17 it. or like 70 like yeah. it's 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 there and so i think it's it's always good to kind of um kind of like peek behind the curtain a little bit at mm-hmm. times when we can and say you know what does this really look like um you know in terms of just kind of your day to day. How do you how do you balance or integrate like right. curating with painting with kind of having that sort of uh, time for your paintings to sit and talk back to you until they're finished? Right. Well, I think there's no one way for sure. There's a million different ways to go about it. Um, when I was in college, like I said, with that trip to New York, I was like, oh, I've got to live in New York and live in a garret and starve, and that's that kind of old-fashioned, yeah. poetic, you know, romanticized. Uh, idea of being an artist <clears throat> but it's not like that at all um I mean really it's like a Nike slogan you just do it you just make it work you know um yeah. so like I said I kind of established my career before having kids but people do it both ways of course um but currently in my day-to-day life so I've got two little boys a, a four-year-old and a six-year-old um Great years. Those are really good years. Yeah, yeah. it's it's fun time. So it's um, juggling that. Um, but I don't know. I feel like, I mean, speaking specifically to motherhood and women, I mean, we are just, we're always multitasking. I feel like mm-hmm. we're wired to do it. We do it well. doesn't mean it's easy, but you just kind of compartmentalize and make it happen. Um, so I'm in the studio at least three days a week, um, whether that's the kids are at school or a sitter or some help. Uh, mm-hmm. My best friend's mom has watched the boys since they were like three months old um a couple of mornings a week so you know there's gonna be some weeks that i get six hours in the studio and there's some i don't know maybe 15 it's it's never more than that right um it's usually one full weekend day my husband's great about taking them saturday or sunday off so that's probably that kind of where you dive in day where you can really get in the flow otherwise it's you know it's two or three hours and you know, I'm grateful for it, but you, you just have to switch gears. You, I paint up until the second I have to pick up the youngest at preschool, mm-hmm. I clean the brushes and I go get him and then it's home for making snacks and breaking up fights. I mean, yeah. you have to switch hats and it's another good title, yeah. <laughs> right. making snacks and breaking up fights. Yeah. And then in the afternoon, you know, maybe they're playing in the yard, they're watching TV or something. That's when the curatorial hat gets put on and I'm on the computer. 
So it's just. Um, and where's your studio? You have like a room in your house, or how do you? No, for again, compartmentalizing. For me, that's never worked. I I do rent a studio. Okay. Um, in downtown Raleigh, that's always um, kind of keeping those worlds somewhat apart yep. has has worked for me. But I have, again, during the museum show, um, probably I would say two thirds of the artists had home studios. So I, I do see a lot of pros to it. But um, for me, it's worked to, to have it outside. Uh, but yeah, it's just a lot of juggling. So yeah. I mean, let go of this notion of you get all day, every day in the studio. Yeah. No, that's not a thing. Um, that you can't have a family. Let that go. You can. Absolutely. Yeah. Although your professors may tell you not. I think that's changing too, though. Um, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I do think that's changing. I I've seen really a lot of, so. yeah, I've seen a lot of kids. So when, you know, when I, uh, when we first had Ava, my daughter's nine now, um, you know, I was working at VCU and, and, uh, Ava was jokingly called AF, our foundation's AFO's first baby. Oh. Um, so that's what the director would say. This is AFO. We're going to be welcoming AFO's first baby. This is my daughter. And so then, but I mean, like, I feel like, I mean, every year after that, you started seeing people have kids. Like yeah. it just became, I, I think there's something about the, I mean, the, um, the change comes through seeing the plausibility. Yes. The plausibility uh, is there. The model, That's model. right. The model. It's yeah. got to be there. You got to see it. And then you got to see it lived. And so I think yeah. we're always curious to see others. If, if you can do it and it's visible, right. then it, it uh, shows that it's actually plausible. And it may uh, activate uh, a person's core desires. Because, you know, like sometimes you just have you have desires and they appear to be pitted against each other because there's no plausible structure that brings those together and says, this is doable. Yeah. And unless you're kind of, uh, you know, your own trailblazer in that sense, um, and some of us are in that sense, you know, you haven't seen it, but you're like, I'm going to do it anyways. Right. But there's a lot of, a lot of us that need, need to see the plausibility. Oh, I definitely, I mean, I went so far as to keep a spreadsheet of like cool art moms (laughs) before I did it. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, that was really inspiring to me. Um, seeing that, like you said, just played out and having a model for it. Um, and everyone's going to go about it differently. Uh, but I honestly, I, f- I feel like I'm more prolific now, which is very counterintuitive. Um, some of that is just, I don't, I don't know exactly. Um, maybe when you did have all day, you took a nap on the futon or you yeah, went out to lunch yeah. or, you, I definitely did. you know, you <laughs> visited a friend's studio, which I mean, all those are great things, but when you take away the possibility for that, okay, you're going to make more work. Yeah. And um, like I said, I work up until the second I got to get back to the babysitter or whatever. So sometimes that makes good risks and sometimes that makes me ruin a painting. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, I've got 10 minutes. Do I add the red or not? You know, and yep. it pushes you and sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But uh, yeah, that, that's been a big surprise. Right. Actually, that to make more work and show more and it, yeah, it hasn't hurt me. But I think one so of the, far. <laughs> yeah. One of the best pieces of advice anybody ever gave me is right in line with what you're saying. Um, he told me, he said, the work you have will always fill the time you give it. Mm, yeah. And um and when I first heard it, it was one of those that it was like, This is like a flippant comment. Like I don't understand like what is <laughs> what does that, that mean, like, Yoda? Yeah, it's like what it was about. But the more I thought about it, I was like, you know, it's it's fantastic. And I've introduced that concept into even like the pacing of courses I teach, or it's like do you need three weeks for this or would you do the same work in three days, but with much more of an intensity to it that would point towards purpose and meaning. Exactly. Intensity. Um, Because 
chances are with a lot of the stuff like you're talking about like how how what does the the studio nap look like in other parts of life right it looks like the three-week project that you still do in three days yes you know and i think it's and so ryan and i have talked about this that we we completely understand what you're saying we feel more productive now in life that we have more stuff in it and i think it's because there's a there's a very kind of healthy and helpful urgency to the time you have to do those things that yeah. gives you focus that before i think we at least speaking personally, I was like, well, that focus will come when it's necessary. No. <laughs> yeah. It just doesn't yeah. happen that way. Yeah. Tell your students, forget that. You're waiting for inspiration. No. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, we just talked about that. Yeah. The inspiration thing is don't wait for it. Just work into it. Work in spite of it. Yeah. And then it's just an additive. If that ever, if and when those, those moments come, your whole existence not contingent upon inspiration. It's exactly. It's, it's ready to receive it as an assistant, but, or an accelerant, but it's not, um, yeah, you're not making for that reason. And yeah. I think that that's like uh, uh, so huge. I mean, I think that's a drop off point. There's a ton of people that stop making art because right. they're they're like they're not able to persist past that. Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you work with the time you're given and the days that you're just really not into it. Well, OK, that's the day you prime some panels yeah. or you work on an art application. It's not all just physically making the work. Being yeah. an artist is so much when I, I go back to Meredith College sometimes and do uh, lectures or critiques, you know, with the seniors, and I always say that, you know, making the work is, I don't know, 60%, maybe 70% yeah. of the, the career. It's the applying right. for the grants and the residencies and the having your resume always up to date so you can apply for yep. something and, you know, with no notice. Yeah. So that's, that's the real Yeah, that's a grind. That's a diligence. Yeah. Do you, so what kind of, um, do you have people in your studio? How, how yeah like do you have uh uh people you respect that can come into your studio and, yeah. and look at the work i, and, I do i have yeah, what's um, that like for you uh two friends of mine we have kind of a set we rotate to each other's studios gotcha. only every few months um i i kind of like you know a lot of privacy in the studio but when we set it up and um when i know someone's coming yeah it, it works well and you can have that conversation you can only have with another artist yeah you speak that same language and yeah Oh, that's yeah it's really helpful yeah yeah yeah. they yeah. get your work and have known it for a long time because I, I i wonder because i you know for me i i don't have very many people in my studio hmm. and it's not because i feel like i got it all it's just i maybe maybe like you i i am more private about what i make and um maybe that has something to do with expectations for where i think the work's gonna land and uh -huh. um work in progress is tricky i don't want someone yeah. to tell me how right right, work right, in right, progress right should go right and so I wonder, I mean, because that, that's a an expectation that's set up in grad schools. I got to get people in the studio. I got to oh, get people in the studio. Uh -huh. But what I keep finding is um, the ratio of time with others in the studio changes when you're out of school. And so I'm, I'm wrestling with like, what does it look yeah. like to be constructive building a kind of like an art, artist community where it, it seems like a lot of times people don't need or want as many uh, eyes and mouths and ears in the studio as, as right. they thought they did in grad school. This just occurred to me, but maybe Instagram is filling that somewhat. Yeah. You know, you're posting work and you're getting, I mean, even if it's just a heart emoji, I don't know if that's really a <laughs> critique, but you're, you're getting some feedback in a way, but that's dropping the bucket, I guess. Yeah. 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 yeah I want to, that makes me want to bring heart emojis into people's studios and just like drop them in there. Right. Just like throw some heart. It's your gold stars. Yeah. 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 Here's a couple gold stars for you. Good job. I, I was a new American painter. And I had like five phone calls and I had like a guy in like Minneapolis 
call me. Yeah. And uh, and he goes, hey, I'm just over in uh, like Barnes and Nobles, you know, looking at <laughs> wow this new this new American painter. I just want to tell you, good job. So nice. <laughs> like, That's amazing. And I was like, I was like, he called you right from yeah, Barnes and Noble. That's yeah, incredible. like true story. Um, and then I had somebody call me. It was very inappropriate and what tried to solicit. Thing? I could. This is. Oh. He tried to solicit um, sp- explicit activity. Be quiet. Yes, dead serious. And he and he from started your little tiny headshot. Yes, I guess. Well, the, so there's the positive, right? <laughs> so I get this person who's like, hey, um, this is true. I mean, like. He's like, hey, you know, I just wanted to tell you, good job. These are great paintings. I just wanted to encourage you. And I was like, I thought this was a joke, you know? So I was like, and he's like, no, I'm being serious. He's like, just keep it up. And I was like, thank you. That's really and that nice. was it. It's super cool. Hmm. I was like, gosh, I never, I never did. And then, so then now, you know, um, I got some people that were interested in some work. So I'm like, well, this is cool. Hmm. And I get this call and this guy's like, hey, so I work. <laughs> want to know if you do, uh, want to know if you ever do nude, nude paintings. And I was like, oh. well, if you, if you know my work, that's not me at yeah, all. That's what not you, me at all. Oh, sketchy. And it, it, it went explicitly downhill from there. Okay, I was a new American <laughs> painting. I did not get any of this phone calls. <laughs> like, so it's not your standard interaction. So Laura, my, my wife's like, you have to get out, like block that person. Like you can't, yeah. you can't, you got to block his number. Man. So a, Exposure just, of a new kind. Yeah, it's like a, a, a benefit, <laughs> an offering I didn't know was available. I didn't, you know. But anyhow, um, I don't even know why I said that now. I forgot why I was telling that story. I think like critique but, can be welcome and unwelcome oh, at right. times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a... Uh, it, and and I think I don't know. It's interesting because um, there is uh, I think there's there's something you miss leaving grad school, right? There is a, a closeness. There's a um, I think even just the the honesty that's built on you know, like knowing, like you you said that there's there was a close relationships that happened there, right? right. And you leave and that that kind of goes away. And I think we oftentimes if we don't find that immediately we start to fill it with other things and sometimes that can be on the negative side of things can be looking at our work and being like yeah it's great just kind of an unchecked optimism about it mm-hmm. or it goes the other way and you're like i guess it's just really terrible i know, you know? I, I think i fall in the middle but sometimes i would gear toward terrible i don't know yeah. <laughs> i feel like that's that's kind of the space for like artists and designers it's like we look at our stuff and we're like well it's obviously terrible yes yeah, so there's two big buckets it's- it's good, but I don't want to say it too loudly, or it's terrible. <laughs> so it's like two two buckets that with that noise. Um, <laughs> yeah, for both. Um, but I think seriously, though, when you're in the studio alone, I mean, so many isolated hours making the work, you, you do kind of have to really hone your eye and yes, hone your sense of honesty with yourself. Yeah, be your own best critic. Yeah, I mean, you don't want a painting's good or bad, or yeah, even if that's just your own definition, but. Um, well, I do think there's, okay. So I think this is goofy. I, I just had a painting day with my family. Th- this part's not goofy. I don't think it was pretty awesome. We, my whole family, we all went, we've never done this before. We all painted. So my wife painted oh. and my kids painted. I painted, we all just painted in, we your just, studio. in my studio. We just like had a picnic in there. It was like cool. a family day. And so we just painted for hours and, uh, I've been off from painting. So, um, summer is where I kind of dip back in and, and, and try to get, uh, some solid work done so then I can kind of like touch on those things throughout the year because right. of my teaching schedule and the gallery and so on. So, um, but, uh, yeah, I was like, it was bad. I mean, from, I mean, it was a great time, but my paintings were <laughs> the worst ones in the room. And I'm not saying that in some kind of false modesty. No, I, it I just it. was bad. Like I was like, Whoa, I'm off. Like, Whoa, am I out of touch? But, um, but I, but the reason why I say that is, is I actually know that like, 
the same way when you strum a guitar chord yeah, and you know it's tune. on or, or yeah it's out of tune or it's not in tune mm-hmm. and so reason why i bring that up is i actually think the i know there's a lot of weird science that the world's very mysterious so i'm not trying to claim that um in an absolutized way we can just know that we know that we know everything however there is a a like there's a there's something about the world where you can strum a C chord and it actually resonates as a C chord mm-hmm. and it strikes our ears in a in a satisfying or pleasant way or an according right. way. Mm-hmm. It's not discord, it's according. And I actually think visually that is the case the same as well. Thing happens. I, I think it's actually the yeah. same thing. It's just visual phenomena, not audible. But is it unique to one person or are you saying it, it resonates? No, I think throughout. it's a C I think a C chord is pleasant is, is it, it it's rec- mm-hmm. it's I, it, whether it's pleasant is it's at least according mm-hmm. according with human beings mm-hmm. um in some kind of universal way like i'd like to it, think that but if i if a painting leaves my studio and I've, it's got that stamp of approval that it's honest and true and but then it goes out in the world and <clears throat> goes out in the world and people hate it yeah mm, i don't know <laughs> but you know but hate is a powerful response oh, that's true right like so what, yeah. so think of it this way think of it in layers right so a c chord just says that the world has a degree to which things uh come together but then there's what you make of it hmm. so that's how you specify it into particular a kind of particular expression and so you know i can make a song with using a c chord and i can do a proper chord progression or whatever like all of those are the, the notes the chords and it could be a terrible song, you, you know, so it just could be that because I'm not an artist <laughs> gotcha. and I'm not a musician. I'm okay. not a songwriter. Right. That makes sense. So so there's more I think so there's more to it than that. But it's at least that. Mm-hmm. And so what I'm saying is at a minimum, I think there's a visual way things uh, come to bear uh, that we can recognize at an intuitive level, which is really just at a visual level, the same way we do with our ears, um, which doesn't tell us whether or not it's going to be this like powerful thing <laughs> for others. But it's at a minimum going to register as as true as you're saying, you know, right. the way that you're saying it. Yeah, no, you I know? get that. Um, yeah, because like, and even then, like, I can have a preference toward the music, right? So exactly. you could you could make a good song using a C chord, and I might not like it. Yep. Right, but it wouldn't take away the quality of what you do, um, you know, because because what you're not saying here in this situation is that you have a painting that gets your stamp of approval, mm-hmm. it goes out, and yep. then people don't even recognize it as a painting, <laughs> right? Which would be a completely different sort of like nightmare yeah. than people just not liking it. True. <laughs> so I think, you know, there is that where um, even kind of in this conversation of observation, like this sort of discussion of kind of like drilling down into the way we start to see how the work actually works, I think is pretty fantastic. Um and I think from just the first uh, the first few minutes I had with the the work in this show, the ability to or the the you know, the ability to really your work uh, allows for the ability to kind of drill down into it visually that way as well. I think it's a it's a helpful way to approach it just as the work itself. Yeah, the idea that the well, because you talked about uh, like inorganic, organic, and geometry, right. but you also talked about opposing forces and hybridity. And, um, yeah, why, why do you think that that's such a, why is it helpful to think in those terms? How much do you really think that that's at play in the work itself? Mm-hmm. Do you see what I'm saying? It's kind of a, kind of a messed up question, I guess, because yeah. it's, I'm not, I'm not assuming that's not, but just to press in on that a little hmm, bit, I'm, I'm, I'm interested in the, in that framework of thought. Right. Um, I guess I relate um, to it by the way. So it's part of his personal it. interest. Uh, well, definitely the process. I mean, I, um, I think the tension that's created through those opposing forces is always yeah. kind of strong. 
Um, and then again, just that reflection of my own personality. I think I'm a lot of contradictions and, gotcha. um, both sides of my head are always fighting each other. So, mm-hmm. uh, the paintings start with just, you know, this kind of wild wash of color and then in goes this calculated geometric shape and then, you know, right. so forth on and on, um, those kind of countered, uh, approaches, so in the end, the painting is an accumulation of, of all that, of all those sides of me and all those ways of thinking. So right. uh, muted color against, you know, not neon, but as close as I can get to it, you know, bright colors. And like you said, geometric and organic and uh, muddy and clean and just any opposite you can think of. I think those add kind of some interesting tension to the work. Mm-hmm. Um, so in the end, I guess, especially lately, maybe the, a little bit more of the calculated cerebral decisions are, are in that final layer. Yeah. But there's yeah. a lot of muddy mess yeah. underneath to get to that place. Right. If it, it feels in some ways when you're talking about, it, it sounds like a dance. Other mm-hmm. times it sounds like a wrestling match. It, yeah. Both. Yeah. And, and yeah, yeah. almost always, I can say this, the paintings that give me the most hellish time and I can't figure out when they kind of cross over that hill toward the end. It's always the ones that I, you know, love the most. Right. Always. It's the ones that have just what killed me. Like I don't trust an easy painting. Yeah. I, I just don't. Yeah. I do. It, it, <laughs> if I, if no. I get one once in a while, if I get one, it's like a gift. I'm like, okay. Yeah. Okay. Every now and then they're a gift. I'm like, I'll take this. This yeah. works. I hate that it works when something works quickly. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've had a couple in like, those ended up being like really important paintings. So, I've just learned to try to trust it and it's taken me a lot of years to kind of go learn to trust it. Cause sometimes you do get that. Yeah. Cause you're wrestling a ton. You're not wrestling with just one painting. So it follows that. Like I always say, like it follows that. Like if you're a musician and you're playing music, um, you're, you're playing enough and you're dancing enough with it. You're involved enough with it that you may sit, you may like get up in the morning, pick up your guitar and actually play a great song just on, and, and it'll come about mm-hmm. easy, but it's not because it came about in that moment. It's it's because it's in direct relationship to every subsequent moment. Well, 20 years you, building that's up right, to that's that. Right. Yeah, that's a good yeah. way to look so at it. So easy paintings sometimes to me at this point in my life, uh, they're not easy. They actually right. are the outgrowth. I earned that painting. Yeah, that's right. You didn't. It didn't come out of nowhere. It's yeah. actually coming out of all the work you've been doing. That's, I like that. I'll, I'll keep uh, that in mind. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, so I've tried to apply that yeah. and it's freed me up and it's allowed me uh, to really own a couple paintings in particular that ended up being really important paintings. Hmm. So I'm like where the pride in me would want to earn it more and, and sort of feel like I have to earn it moment to moment within each painting yeah. as, a, as opposed a to seeing it. That's right. More holistically. Yeah. yeah more holistically. Huh, I like uh, that. Um, and so it's, it saved me. It's made me like, like for instance, I did have one painting I started when we were painting together and I, I did hang it up and I was like, oh man, like, it's like I took longer to build the panel <laughs> than the the painting, but I'm like, but it works. It, it's uh, working. And yeah. it's like, what does that mean? And that's my question is like, what does that mean? You know? Well, know. and on the flip side, sometimes I take it too far. It's a perfectly good painting. It's got enough layers. And I'm like, ah, oh, let's push it a little further and it collapses. Yeah. Sometimes you can't get them back. Yep. So, that's, that's very true. So that's almost, you know. Well, what are you trying to do? Why are you trying? To, you, yeah, you trying to make it harder. That's kind of silly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just I think silly. Yeah, yeah. I think that that uh, earning, I think it comes back to like feeling somehow like you've earned the right to make the painting. And I always go back to like I think the world's, um, you know, like I tell my students like the world is so good that it doesn't, it almost doesn't need our help uh, to for in order for it to be good. It's already just kind of good. Like the yeah. the soil is pretty powerful. 
you know, the worms are pretty awesome. The skies, <laughs> clouds are like pretty butt kicker. I don't do anything that I know of to make beautiful clouds. I mean, I might be doing things to hurt the environment, but um, I mean, if you just start working through it, you're like, Dude, this is all pretty awesome before I ever came on the scene. <laughs> and it's probably going to be awesome when I leave. It's very optimistic. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, so when you, when you go to gather up material, raw material to fashion it and specify it and you make a sculpture or you make pigments, um, it's already great. It's already doing stuff. It's already, it, it didn't need you. Um, that, okay. That leads me to another point. So when I talked about like how I gauge a successful painting, okay. So that true feeling, it, it feels honest, but also what you just said, like when it's over, this sounds like kind of cheesy, but like you channeled it almost, you, you don't know how you made that painting. Yeah. Like, yeah, I don't see my hand in it. I don't know how it came to that yep. conclusion. Like when it surprises me and I don't know how I did it. I love that. Yeah. I think that's the, I, cause I, so I have paintings where exactly in step with you, like I, I don't even know how I'm, I'm like, I could never. So I have paintings where they're in people's that. collections and I'm like, I could never make that painting again. Like I really, it's not a fake thing. Like I actually couldn't go back and make that. Yeah. I don't know how I made it. I mean, I know how I made it in the the textbook. Like I laid down the yeah, paint, sure. but but like I really don't know how I made but it. There's and there's a, mis- kind of, a mystery that exactly, mystery there. Some otherworldly stuff. Like yeah. there's a little bit of magic involved. Yeah, yeah I think so. I don't want to try to recreate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That elusiveness that I think is a uh, the magic, if you will. Um, I think is actually a part of the power of being an artist. And I think one of the things that. Uh, I don't know. I hope for more of, which is why I was, I'm excited about this show that we have up with you uh, and Natalie Schmitting and Sam Bantley, who's now Sam Taylor. I think I, I, I have to ask Sam if she's taken Taylor on, but um, uh, three painters that I think are kind of conjuring magic in a way, you know, like something more than merely what's there. And so I think yeah. the, the show in total is really, uh, really powerful in that way. And I, and I feel like one of the things that, I want to see happen at least through shock art space. And from my standpoint is I want to cultivate more artists opportunities or, mm-hmm. or situations to bring that forward. Um, kind of like, it's like a, it's like a preserving what, it, what needs to be preserved. Like when we advance, we often throw things out and we throw good things out. Mm-hmm. Right. And so like in the face of technology, which I'm for a lot of it, um, I think we're losing, and so I feel like there's a, there's, there's, there's different curatorial obligations, institutional obligations. So you may have like a really, really contemporary institution. Mm-hmm. There's some here in the city that are extremely contemporary. And um, what that means is they're not going to bring forward uh, a whole swath of work that is really important because it's just not in that extreme. It's not like mm-hmm. basically technology. You know what I'm saying? Gotcha. It's, it's literally not um, robotic or dealing with artificial intelligence or, and there is a move in academia towards this in, in terms of thinking about the arts. Hmm. So if that's the, the case, what happens to the drawing, the painting, the sculpture, you see what I'm saying? Well, right. Yeah. Which is exactly why I sent in that proposal. Yeah. <laughs> like painting is not dead. Let's show it. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah I, I do have a, so there's a couple shows that we want to do. One is a, a, a ridiculous, we want to, we're going to be doing some shows where we recreate films. Like we commission artists to, oh. we're going to, Interesting. Um, yeah, like it's like a, a so to give artists a break from what they do, and so the films can be re- recreated through their own methods and means huh. as a analog representation of um, 
uh, of the film, if you will. Mm-hmm. And I think it'll just be like, it'll be to have fun. Like Gareth and I were talking about like the fact that seriousness and fun need to both be there and artists sometimes need a break and an assignment to kind of yeah. loosen up or, yeah, or give do things. Permission almost. Yeah. Give you permission almost because you're so, yeah, you know, you, you got a tight schedule, you know, it's hard to, so that's yeah. something we're building into our programming that I've dreamed about for like 10 years now. Um, the other one is for like 10 years now, I've wanted to do a show called like sort of as a parody on uh, horror films uh, regarding painting though. And just have like somebody screaming saying, why won't you die? Um, Cause that's like the classic refrain of like Jason Friday the 13th part 50 is like, Oh my gosh. But it'd yeah. be like, it's really great painting show, Ooh. you know, because painting, painting is like, I, I wrote this in my thesis is never done until the dancer is done dancing with it. Yeah. It's always willing to dance with you. And as long as there's human beings, there will be painters. Exactly. You just, you can't get around it. So the question is, how do we, how do we carry this forward into a contemporary context in a in a dance like kind of way in the kind of tension you're talking about in your work even right. you know where there's a wrestling match it gets muddy and then there's moments of lucidity or clarity and i think uh even a work like yours could be a a, a, a metaphorical roadmap for that because you talk about hybridity you know yeah and i again i want to have surprises in the paintings i there's this niskowski quote that i love he says um you know, learning how to make your own paintings is like the worst thing that could ever happen. You, you have to have this tightrope where there's some unknowns and accidents. And thankfully, I possibly too much depend on that. But um, yeah, my paintings are always a surprise to me. Yeah, I, there's no beginning, you know, study or vision. I have nothing in mind. And, you know, that I can't visualize how it's going to end. Right. And I don't think I could, would make a painting if I could. So yeah, um, my life is or my personality is a little <laughs> um, uptight, I suppose. So in the studio, that's my free place. And to have the unknowns and lack of control and all that just really fits me well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Another question I have too is scale. Um, yeah. Scale the paintings. A lot of that's just logistics. Is it logistics? Yeah. yeah. yeah I yeah, mean, yeah. what your car will hold. And I work on the floor, so it's okay. a little bit that's, of a, that's a yeah. yoga experience as it is. Um I don't know. A lot of people have told me to try and go bigger and, you know, why yeah. not? I, I work on wood panels, so yeah, that same. gets a little expensive and heavy. Yep. Um, so I don't know. Yeah. I don't know well, I, 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 I actually like the scale of the work. I mean, the, the scale that you're working in, I, I asked the question, you know, so for me, I mean, I restraints are a, are a blessing. You know, like my paintings got better when I was out of grad school and I had a table I had to work on for yeah. a season because then it forced me. I had limited resources and it forced a resiliency and a vision to kind of emerge Within out of, that. yeah. Mm-hmm. And that, that became the work that I do that now. That variable set, but you can do anything else. That's right. Yeah, yeah. So those conditions were set and it, it eliminated that as an option. Whereas before that I was making huge paintings, which unfortunately like I have half of the body of work that I've, I've created is in California, more than half. And, and some of that was thrown away because like it got moved out of a warehouse, all these huge yeah. paintings. Like, so, and I'm dealing with the second phase of that potentially happening. And it's like, wow. and I've got these smaller paintings where it's like, I can get them into people's homes. You know, yeah. it's like, there's like way more flexibility there. And so I want to make big paintings, but there is something nice about making a painting that feels big. And I feel like some of the work in your, your show currently actually does that. They, they feel bigger than, than their, their true, their true size. I've heard that before. Yeah. That's good to hear. Um, I, I kind of think my small paintings maybe are maybe just you can get a little looser and more experimental. And because I'm adding and subtracting layers, I mean, I've quoted him to death. I'm sorry, but Naskowski again, like, you know, he 
when everyone was working huge, you know, the, the machismo of that, um, mm-hmm. he stuck to his guns. Again, part logistics and part just, I want to make small paintings. Like, what's his standard size? 20 by 16, I think. Yeah, Basically yeah, yeah. everything. And he did that all these years. Um, but he would say, I can just, if I can spend a day in the studio, if I'm working on a huge painting and a layer doesn't work, well, I, sp- I spend the rest of the day, you know, turpentining it off. Right. Versus right. a small painting, you can take those risks and whether it works or not, you can play with those layers a lot more easily. So, so, so yeah, sometimes I think my smaller ones or mid-sized ones are, are the strongest. Yeah. 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 Um, you got, any, you got, I was going to say, I mean, like with that, um, you know, as artists and designers, there are so many variables that go into our work. I think we, we kind of diminish the fact that sometimes setting one of those variables is like, if we're honest about it, I think it's a relief. You know, it's like, that's one thing I don't have to think about because we're constantly looking at the stuff and asking ourselves like, is this finished? Where is it going? What's it saying? What's it doing? How is it existing? How do other people see it? How do I see it? We're asking ourselves those questions. And sometimes it's nice for one of those questions is to kind of sit down and shut up. Exactly. (laughs) So I think it's, you know, it's a, it's a huge thing. Yeah. It's just like, you know, one less thing to have to have my attention on this Mm -hmm. lets me take that attention and put it elsewhere. And it, and it, I think it does actually benefit in huge ways. Um, I mean, and, and in some ways I feel like I'm cheating to even say this because that's totally like a designer thing to say is to be like, you know, set your constraints, have your design question, do your thing. Yeah. Um, that this is, it's kind of like, you know, a part and parcel to a lot of, of the things in, in design programs that you do is that you just understand, well, here are your constraints for this thing. Yeah. Right. Um, but I think you can also see a lot of students flounder um, when those aren't there. You know, because I, I I don't know that I ever want to be in a place where I have to have the answers to all the questions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You want to I mean, have some tough. some constraints. Exactly. Um, but, but I also don't want somebody to say you only get this one thing. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's stressful. Yeah, decision making. I mean, I think that's the thing is you want to have certain variables kind of understood so you're free to get into the the I think the thing you're talking about, Ashlyn, where you're you're improvising. You don't know. Like yeah, that's because that's, that's where a lot of the joy higher, is. Maslow's hierarchy, that highest yeah. place where you're kind of out of it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Where you, yeah. So the, the the conditions are set, and now you're free to to participate in the process. Um, and I would be remiss if I didn't bring this up, but I, I think one of the ways that I learned this is by um, the change in fast food. What? Yeah, this is this is gonna make sense. So it used to be that you just go and get like a thing. Okay. And then they started to give you too many options. Oh. And then you started to feel an anxiety about so like you know which junk will I eat? <laughs> yeah, like and then you're and then you walk away and you've paid and you're dissatisfied and then, so now you're in this hunt and so the 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 buffet phenomena you know mm. so I'm, I'm you know I'm half joking but I'm being mm. serious too it's like uh, you know it's like why when I go to Taco Bell it's set for me I just get the same thing. So I love to joke about all the options, but I only get the same thing. You could go to the KFC hybrid restaurant. Yeah, and those are blasphemous <laughs> for me. <laughs> pretty gross. Well, I mean, like continuing in that same space, like I was actually telling somebody about a restaurant and the only thing they do is chef's choice. And so every day you go, you get what's on the menu. Whoa. And it's kind of fantastic because um, what has happened is the reputation has become that whenever you go, it's fantastic because the chef's not cooking 40 different yeah. entrees. It's yep. you've got six things. Do and one thing six and do it things. Well. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, it might so be, so then it that, becomes like the chefs, you just gotta be, the chef's gotta be good. You just gotta be okay with the fact that they're going to bring 
something great to bear in your eating experience. Yeah. And, you know, some days, like maybe it's not like completely what you wanted, but right. the quality of it's still going to be there. Right. It's, um, you know, you were talking about Twombly earlier. Um, I was in the Met a couple of years ago and um, they had this uh, show of kind of like these Southern quilters. Um, and so you, you come into the space um, and there's all these quilts and these beautiful, like kind of remnants of quilts and things that are hanging on the wall. And there's these be- beautiful, like tapestries of color and shape, very organic geometry to them in a lot of ways. And then you go into uh, another gallery beyond that and you turn a corner and there was a, a Twombly painting that felt like the size of a house mm. and it was just on this wall and <clears> it was arresting. It was the only yeah. place that I like sat right in there. Yep. Now, um, I may not like every painting that Twombly does, sure. but in terms of this kind of correlation between like a chef's choice restaurant and like Twombly's work, like, um, I trust the artist yeah. in that respect. Yeah. And yeah. so even if it's not to my perfect preference that day or whatever it is, I know there's something about the quality and nature of the person who is infusing this work in their practice and thought <laughs> that yeah. it's going to be there. And it's the same kind of way I think, right? Um, which I think is something fantastic about like galleries versus museums. Cause there's some days where I'm like, I kind of want the buffet, mm-hmm. but there's other days where I'm like, don't give me the buffet. Yeah. Just <laughs> I mean, give me the just show. tell me what yeah, I'm yeah. eating today yeah, yeah, so yeah. I can see the show. And I right. just kind of want that. Um, but yeah, I think that, you know, when you're looking at, um, so many choices, like again, it may just be the designer of me kind of pushing back against that being like, no, actually fewer choices sometimes are good. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's, a it's a difficult kind of space to find like, what is that balance between things are set and things are in motion? Yeah. And I think some of that's capacity. It's hard to know your capacity is till you've stretched it too thin. Um, that's the truth. You know, so you have to go through seasons where you've taken on more than you can deal with. And then, and then hopefully out of that, something emerges that's truer that you, you want to stay with. Like, you're like, I can't leave that alone. I'm going to keep working in that vein or whatever. And I think some of that's intuitively set. You know, I think you kind of, if you do it long enough, I think you figure that out a lot of times. Um, but I'm definitely in a season myself where uh, the minimalist thing just, it actually just resonates. It's not even that it's easier. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's just kind of like squares with me, you know? But your older paintings had um, more kind of expressionistic brushwork yeah, mixed with the. That's right. Yeah. Well, edge. so, okay. So, yeah, that's, that's where, that's like, I would, I put them in two categories. That's the main work. Okay. So it's older and takes a little more from me to do them. And that's where I'm setting up to be doing this summer. I have this ambition to make more of that work. Um, it's just time frame. So the more minimalist work um, is like the second line of work. Gotcha. And so I think it keeps me thinking and they're like, like they're like sushi rolls. So like for me, like, like the perfect bite in my mind, like uh-huh. I can't make everything, but I can make that. Yeah. And because I can make that, I actually find those satisfying as bite size things like in proportion to what they are. Right. And, um, and so, uh, somehow if I can do both, I'm, I'm happy if that makes sense. Like if I can do both and I'm, I'm in a good space. So I just need more time. You know, yeah, I feel like I'm on the cusp of some kind of change, but I don't, I don't know what. So I've, cannibalized all those paintings the old ones the, right so the revisionist geometry series is coming to an end forcibly because there's nothing else to, to revise work and yeah. i just rework the rework and right no that would be endless um so yeah i don't know that's yeah. kind of an exciting but scary time right yeah. i don't know what's around the next corner well you've painted long enough i wonder so do you think about this like i'm wrestling <laughs> with this is uh i know a lot of the people that i admire 
did something for long enough that they're just known for that. And I, and I yeah. kind of like, you know, there's 50 billion painters in the world. Can I just keep making like what I do? Can I just be the nickelback of painting? Right. And just, oh, right. no. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, that's the thing, though. It's like, like, I don't think I, I think because of everything that I'm doing, yeah. I don't there. I just kind of like to meditate on uh, like the, the, what I'm interested in as a painter is distilled to like kind of what you see in the last several years for me between the border brushy abstract painting stuff and then these more objecty right. paintings. And uh, I'm I'm committing in my mind to playing that out over a, a longer time frame hmm. and uh it feels risky because i'm basically like closing down other ways of I, making yeah i have I have mixed feelings on it like i have a good friend who will tell you that i'm obsessed with this idea of consistency and he's always telling me oh my god let it go it's not that important but in graduate school i guess i blame that you, you really get it beaten into you know a consistent body of work yeah et cetera, et cetera. um so yeah, I think I still wrestle with that. But then my work, uh, you know, the, the work I did before, you know, I was on your radar. You knew me was extremely different. Um, gotcha. Mixed media on paper, you know, collage, black and white. So I've been all over the place and I feel like my series change and I, I work almost in three to four year kind of series. Yeah. So, so I know I, in some ways I embrace change, but um, there's always that little voice in the back of my head, like I'm mm-hmm. a serious artist, you know, especially at your age, at your level, you know, you've got to be known for this one style. And, and I think there's galleries, I'm not with any, but I think there's galleries that, um, push that yep. maybe because they're selling that and that's sure. what you're known for. I get that. But the galleries I'm with have always been wonderful and whether, whether they don't like it, I don't know, but they've allowed me to change and grow and yeah. encouraged it. So I'm yeah. very thankful that's for that. Yeah. 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 Which goes back to the patronage thing a little bit, like that the gallery yeah. as a patron uh, mindset can either free an artist to their vision or close them down right. by restricting their vision, <laughs> you know, by, by demanding that you have to continue to make. And I, I think that's where it, I, I feel like the best situation is it's got to be a choice from the artist. Mm-hmm. You know, they've got to be able to make the choice uh, to continue to persist in a certain vein. Uh, Peter Halley paintings like you're you're always going to know a Peter Halley painting but I, I feel like he probably enjoys making those paintings like I, right I, something not, about it doesn't look stale to me it's weird like I'm like I'm not bored of him you know like he yeah. doesn't have to be everything to me to and that, you know like one of my heroes was like Judy Pfaff and she huh, okay. was really verbose and expansive and at some point expansive eclectic diverse becomes the constant so it's almost like the universe she's created means that she's always exactly. bringing to bear that universe, whether it's pared down or scaled up. Right. You know. One of my undergrad teachers said, okay, you can be, consi- you can be inconsistent, but only if you're consistently inconsistent. Exactly. Yeah. I'm like, hmm, I, I don't know about that, but yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That also gets into funny things like where, where do those rules come from? You know, those, those know. grad school know. truisms. Exactly. It's what I guess they were taught and yeah. what held true then, but I think things are shifting so much now. Yeah. In every way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So do you have anything coming up aside from the show with us? Do you have anything you want to... Um, let's see. So I'll have a small solo show at Art Space in Raleigh in awesome. November. And then after that comes the show at the Art Museum. So that's, that's great. 25 artists from around North Carolina, all over the state, uh, showing contemporary painting. It's yeah. called Front Burner uh, Highlights in Contemporary North Carolina Painting. Awesome. So that's nice. next spring. Yeah, eight months away. I mean, it's finally getting to a, what a, project. Like a month thing versus a year away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, congratulations on Thank that. Thank you. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, um, 
And where, where can we find your work? I know we said Instagram. If you want to just give a, uh, a shout out, people are looking like they want to know more. Uh, sure. So to... yeah, Instagram's the best place to see works in progress and you know fresh studio shots. And then of course my website and the galleries I'm with, um, Hodges Taylor and Charlotte, um, If Art Gallery in Columbia, South Carolina. And um, there's, uh, I just had a show in Atlanta with White Space. That's a great gallery in uh, Atlanta, Georgia. And the last thing is um, online place. It's based in London, but it's called idealart.com. Okay. And I have a small selection of works that you can buy directly online from wow, them. Wow, great. Yeah. Well, this has been great. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, do come yeah. to the show. It's up until August. And so it's, a, it's definitely uh, a must-see exhibition, uh, 100%. Um, I mean, I, I, can, I think we have like 30-something 37 paintings. That's a lot of work. Yeah, it's a lot of work in the show. Mm -hmm. And uh, Ashlyn, you have 18 yes. paintings in the show. It's a really impressive uh, exhibition. And um, so just strongly encourage you to see it. The gallery is open. Um, you can check us on Facebook for hours. A lot of times we, we do uh, by appointment only, but um, I'll have hours sometimes on Tuesdays. And so, um, yeah, if you want to come see the show, just contact us. Uh, go to info at shockartspace.com. And you can email, email, or just go to chocolateartspace.com, email us at info at chocolateartspace.com, and, um, and we'll get your email, and we'll set up a time for you to come see the show. But it really is uh, worth spending the time to coming down to our space to see yes. it. And, yeah. Yeah. We, uh, thank you for your listening. And you want to add anything, Gareth? We, we hit everything on the... Um, I think we got everything. I mean, it's just uh, definitely come out and see the show. It's fantastic. The, the three artists that we have, um, I think you'll really enjoy just coming to the space and seeing it. Yeah. Yeah, and one, one, one thing I think that curatorial for me that was interesting is um sam is a really smart painter coming out of her bfa at virginia commonwealth university and so um and natalie is an instructor at vcu uh recently started working at vcu last year and um is a is also a painter at a different stage in their career and so between ashlyn natalie and sam you have this uh, interesting overlap i think with intensity and and kind of like the show's called curious things and i think all of the works uh are, are curious in their way they, they kind of do elicit singular uh encounters fr from an audience and so the overlap of commonality crossed over uh different generations of, of painters um is a, i think a really powerful statement it kind of goes to the whole point about painting not being dead kind of thing a little bit which Absolutely. is really <laughs> personally super exciting to me to see that continuity over that much time with people that actually did, didn't know each other so um for all of those reasons and more do, do come see the show and continue to support as any way you feel inclined spread the word just getting the word out is really helpful just with the the podcast and the gallery and, and everything that we're doing so with that Thank you, Ashlyn. Okay, thank yes, you for thank having you. me. Yeah. Appreciate it. You've been listening to Shaco Art Speak, a production of Shaco Art Space. We are an independent, nonprofit art gallery in Richmond, Virginia. We can be found online at shacoartspace.com and in real life in historic Shaco Bottom.